This week on Three Questions by Corey Kareem. People don't remember um, what you did, but how you made them feel. Mm. And for me, I was like, whoa. So a lot of the opportunities I've, I've, I've um, gained by, was by just being really um, insightful and, and attentive on how I make other people feel. Welcome back, guys. Welcome back to uh, another episode of Three Questions by Corey Kareem, the podcast where we sit down with some amazing people who are doing some amazing things. And that's right. You guessed it. We asked them three questions, sometimes four, sometimes five. But rather than talk about their successes or their wins, we talk about their failures, more specifically, uh, the lessons that they learn from those individual experiences. So with that being said, my guest today is an art director at FCB Canada, which is one of the largest global ad agencies. He's worked on campaigns for prominent brands like Coca-Cola, Toyota, BMO, Absa, Sobeys, and many more. He's also a part-time model and a self-proclaimed minimalist and jazz enthusiast. Ladies and gents, my guy Ole, all the way from South Africa. Ole, oh, welcome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Corey. Thank you so much for the wonderful intro. I'm so grateful to be here. Awesome. Well, Ole, um, I know I just gave like a, a brief back, uh, background about who you are and what you do, but for the people um, that are just being introduced to you for the first time, why don't you tell them a little bit uh, more about your background, how you, got uh, how you got inspired, how you got started in this industry, and yeah, let's start there. Oh, perfect. No, that's a great question. Um, so my dad... He's an architect, funny enough, and I actually wanted to be an architect because of him. Um, but then it's very clear at the, at the beginning that I wasn't going to do well. Mm -hmm. So then um, he, he had the idea just to uh, just connect me with other people in advertising because he realized um, I had abilities of creative thinking. Mm -hmm. So from there, when I was in, I guess, grade 12, um, mm -hmm. he, that's when he started uh, just taking me to and uh, he showed me an advertising agency called FCB Johannesburg. So I was like, wow, okay, cool. I'm up down for that. Then he took me there and I did my, like an internship uh, slash job shadow there. Mm -hmm. And from there, I was like, wow, man, I, I fell in love with the agency itself. And that's when I started to learn about art direction. I was like, yeah, this is, this is for me. That's, that's how, that's how it got started. Yeah. That's awesome. Shouts out to Pops, man, for uh, putting you on game for that. That's, 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 that's so clutch and key. I find when, a parent can kind of lean into their kids kind of intuition and, and, and give them direction. So that's amazing. Um, all right, let's start with question number one. So um, you mentioned you're an art director at FCB Canada. Uh, you also mentioned in your bio, at least that you, that you model as well. So um, given those two professions, what has been your biggest failure uh, to date in either one? And why was it your biggest failure? And how did you ultimately get, you know, through it and, and over it? Wow. Um, so one of the, the biggest failure, I guess, was my mindset at the time, because um, I had a bit of an entitled mindset coming out of college because mm. um, I, I was very fortunate to do really well. So mm. I thought that I'd have the similar experience getting into the agency. Like, oh, I did well in college. You know, I came out as a student. I'd do well. But then the three years that I came out of college and joined the agency back then, FCB Johannesburg, that's, I, I failed. Um, I wasn't open to taking on 
opportunities. Um, I was just so stuck in my fixed mindset that mm-hmm. I was expecting op- uh, people to brief me on great projects instead of me working towards and towards uh, mm-hmm. building the skills to be a great art director. So that was, I was, I was finding that those first three years, it was really tough, tough on me until I realized that I had to be humble. And as soon as I got, a humble, uh, got humble and had an ego death, I realized that actually, I, I'm the one who should be taking accountability over my career, my journey, and I should prove to my employers that, hey, I'm actually skilled enough to, for you to trust me. So that's when I started um, making the, 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 the tweaks and arrangements to get better at my job instead of being um, complacent and being uh, entitled. So that, that was uh, one of my biggest failures. Right, right. And you know what? I can relate to that. I think a lot of kids coming out of university, college, what have you, kind of have that entitlement because you're in this <laughs> bubble like when you're in university college yeah. sky's the limit it's possibility everyone's going to be the next steve jobs the elon exactly. musk you know i was i was that same guy and yeah. i remember my experiences being graduated i was i was like i'm gonna have no trouble finding a job but yeah. timing for me was was horrible i graduated and, and i'm gonna be dating myself now i graduated in 2008 yeah. That was a time of, you know, the global economy, at least in the U.S. and Canada, yeah. was taking a hit. And I went to school in New York and wow. it, got, it, it got really bad. I remember actually going to a job fair not too long after I graduated with one of my best guys. And yeah. there was about 2,500 applicants or 2,500 applicants oh. from top schools in the Northeast in the U.S., and pretty much the most of us, a lot of us were being told, hey, you know, we're on a hiring freeze, check back in six months. So my first yeah. job out of college is at um, the Apple store on Fifth Avenue in New York City, which was like actually a pretty cool job. But yeah, um, I can relate to like having the expectation that, you know, yeah. this is should be deserved to me. You know, I should be getting this and not exactly. knowing that I'm going to have to like grind for those opportunities that i really want so that's amazing exactly wow that's powerful that is powerful yeah uh, i mean i feel i still think a lot of kids today have that entitlement mentality and i think there's a slight difference between knowing what you want and then also understanding that you're gonna have to put in some work uh to get it as well because there's nothing wrong with saying no this is what i want i'm stuck on this i'm gonna do it Versus like, I should have this. Why aren't they giving this to me? But yeah, so that's out for you for having that switch and, and making the adjustments. So going on to um, question number two, um, what does a hard day look like for an art director? And maybe even before answering that question, I think it would be helpful for all the listeners to describe exactly what an art director does. And let's talk about like what a hard day looks like and how you overcome those kind of challenges and setbacks. Perfect. So that, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, so what art direction entails, uh, just for the viewers, is that we do a lot of visual language communication. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to uh, doing brand campaigns, we are the ones who come up with the the visual narrative for the brand, and we work mm-hmm. alongside a copywriter who does the the word and the, mm-hmm. just how how do we communicate through through writing. So when we team up, we come up with ideas and concepts, but then largely I'm tasked with um. When it comes to photography, um, what, what uh, types of uh, imagery are we using? Um, mm-hmm. How's the campaign going to look like? What colors are we going to be using? And all sorts of like different visual cues to really bring that, to communicate the, the idea that we as a team came up with. 
So mm-hmm. with that, uh, what a hard day would look like um, mm-hmm. would be working on multiple campaigns. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what's been tough is that, especially immigrating to uh, Toronto, I've mm-hmm. been, it's been a bit of a tough uh, transition because I have to learn the culture as well as how brands mm-hmm. communicate. Because back in Johannesburg, I, I grew up there, so I knew how brands didn't communicate. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. I get it. Right? But when I came here, I was like, oh, man, it's different. It's completely so, different. So let's pause there for a second. So what's one thing that you realized that was very different from what you're used to uh, back in Johannesburg? Uh, it's, a, it's a good question. Like, oh, man, one thing I'd say is just that, like, the the amount of um, whew, there's, there's so many things. Like, first of all, the budget, I see that there's like a lot more budget to side. It's like, okay, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I find that there's also the focus in my agency is a lot more digital because back mm-hmm. at home, we did, did a lot of traditional advertising, like um, broadcast, of, radio. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And South mm-hmm. Africa is known for our radio. So when I came here, I was like, okay, there's a, there's a very specific focus on digital, which is a great thing. So I was like, okay, mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. I had to get, make that adjustment. Awesome. And then from a cultural aspect, what have you learned that's like just very different um, from Johannesburg? Oh, man, that's ooh, oh, that's a good question. Um, I'm, I'm going to get a bit, bit controversial, but I yeah. find that coming back, uh, being from South Africa, like just being a black man, we in the majority. So coming here, I found that it was a bit of a culture shock for me just being as a minority as a black man. So right. I wasn't able to necessarily connect with as much people just from a, right. just <laughs> a black to black basis. Right. So, so that was a bit of like a, Oh, geez. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I suspect, I suspect too, when you're working on brands and you're probably want to give your input and it's like, people might not get it, you know, I, cause I work in ad sales at Spotify. So, um, oh, nice. I, I, and to, to say, actually, out of all the kind of ad um, kind of companies that I've worked for, yeah. Spotify is probably the most leaned in one in terms from a, in terms of a cultural perspective. Like when we have our decks, the images yeah. on our decks are very diverse, you know, versus wow. where I've worked at other companies. And it was just typical, you know, yeah. Tom, Bob, Bill, which yeah. is whatever. But I mean, um, so I, I do I can't relate to you, but I'm, I'm sure coming from a country like South Africa, it's probably a huge, huge, huge shock though. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Hey, <laughs> it's and crazy. I, and I know for you, it's only been a, a few months now, um, but what have you been doing to kind of deal with kind of that culture shock? What have you been trying to do to kind of lean in and and, and kind of get immersed into the, the Canadian Toronto culture, if you will? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so one thing I've I've done is uh as you can see by my hat, uh, like <laughs> I see it. I love it. <laughs> I've been ripping the raptors, I've been ripping the raptors. So yeah, that that's been good. Um and I've been finding a lot of people uh just who also love basketball, and that's how yeah. has helped me connect with a lot of people. That's what's side. up. That's yeah. what's up, man. Don't worry, I'm I'm gonna connect you with some folks too, man. Oh, let's go. That. I got you. Thank you, thank you. Uh let's go on to question number three. So um, from your experience, let's talk about your your modeling side. I know you mentioned that you, yeah. you're a part-time model. So from your experience, what are some of the misconce- uh, misconceptions, excuse me, aspiring models have? And what are some of the common mistakes new models make coming into the business? Another way of saying this, Ole, is like, what are the things people don't see about the modeling industry? Yeah. Oh, another great question. It's, People just think that like modeling is uh, like posing on Instagram and that's it. And they really don't factor like the business factor of, of it all. Like when you go to castings, you have to network and 
you know, get to know the people around you. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just treating yourself as a brand as well mm-hmm. um, and showing up on time and all these critical things that really do help you distinguish yourself from other models because everybody's trying to get into the like industry in that sense. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what can you do to really uh, differentiate yourself? So people don't necessarily think about those factors and it, they just think it's all about posing. And it's like, to some extent it is, but you have to mm-hmm. also practice those poses as well. It's like, there's so much more detail to it than mm-hmm. just looking great in front of a camera. So that's what uh, a, a huge a misconception I've, I've, I've picked up from the, the models back in South Africa and a bit, a bit this side as well. Yeah. That, no, that's, that's great perspective. And, and so if someone was, you know, based on your experience, if someone was trying to break into, let's say, um, be a model, what would you say in today's world? So in 2022, what would be some of the best ways for them to kind of break in? Because I, I suspect oh. that things have changed from like maybe 10 years ago where you had to go, you know, straight to an agencies. Now you yeah. have tools like Instagram and other platforms. But yeah. what, what would you say is kind of the best way for someone to break in right now? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. As you said, like you just knew such a great, great point is that we have so much access to these great tools like Instagram that mm-hmm. really helps us like just create a whole platform of work. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a great way to also just connect with people. So yeah, Instagram is definitely one great tool to really tap mm-hmm. into the industry. Um, and another thing is it's like, oh man, it, it's just using um, social media as well. Like the nice thing about that is that you can actually communicate to brands directly as well. And you can mm. actually get kind of opportunities instead of going to an agency. So that's been a huge breakthrough in, in the modeling industry where I see a lot of people just picking up projects just based off of communicating directly to brands. Mm, communicating directly to brands. Yes. Uh, that makes perfect sense. In a sense, cutting out the middleman, the, the, yeah. the agencies, you know? I know, but, <laughs> right? I know, right? <laughs> what it is, what it is. And, and, and yeah. you know, kudos to those who are, are fortunate uh, to do that. Yeah. Um, getting to our, our last and, and final question, which is more of a, a two-part question, as many of my questions are, really. Um, yes. So, Ole, throughout your amazing career um, thus far, what has been the best lesson you believe you have learned from failing? Wow. Wow. I love that question. Um, I would say, oh, I'd say that the, the lesson I've learned is um, people don't remember. It's the quote from Maya Angelou saying that I'm just, I might butcher it a bit, but yeah, she said no that people don't remember um, what you did, but how you made them feel. Mm. And for me, I was like, Oh, so a lot of the opportunities I've, 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 um, gained by, was by just being really um, insightful and, and attentive on how I make other people feel. And that's what they Love are that. left remembering me for. So I was like, oh, I have to do great work and I set myself uh, apart skill-wise, but I also have to make sure that I really connect with other people and really get to build a relationship with them. And that's what I've, I've, I've gained from that. Right, right. And I think that's so clutch, man. That's so key, the soft skills. You know, yeah. I, I have a friend, she runs a soft skills company and that's what she does. She goes wow. into companies, schools, what have you. And she teaches, yeah. you know, people, organizations, these soft skills, because the hard skills are important for sure. But the soft skills yeah. are are equally as important. And I so actually true. read or maybe I heard it somewhere that the higher you go up in the food chain. So let's say the corporate world the yeah. more important the soft skills become versus the actual hard skills. So the ability yeah. to communicate your message or to, 
you know, to create allies. So if you have a vision yeah. for a certain project and you need people to buy in, yeah. you know, that's a soft skill, right? So exactly, uh, exactly. You know, and 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 to your point, you know, I can remember someone I worked with who was super talented at their job, yeah. arguably the most talented or smart person on the floor or, or part of the department rather. And yeah. I remember this person, um, she applied for uh, a position. It was a promotion and mm-hmm. she was passed up three times. Wow. Wow. And it had nothing to do with skill set, had nothing to yeah. do with intelligence or ability to do the job. It had to be the yeah. ability. She had a bit of a, a, a reputation to be difficult to work with. Right. Not wow. in the sense of her being mean or, you know, angry, but just yeah. micromanaging or too yeah. driven and people just didn't want to deal with that. Right. And so <laughs> that played into, uh, I believe anyways, um, that played into part of the reason why she was never um, promoted within this organization. And um, wow. but the soft skills, how people how you how people remember how you make them feel that that's very important. That's valid. Yeah. Um, wow. The follow up to that, Ole, is to that young woman or man that says, I want to do what you're doing. If you can only give that person one piece of advice, what would it be? Wow, that's a that's that's a great question. Um, oh, that I would say. Be aware of your surroundings. Mm-hmm. Um because I, I guess what I've learned is that we all, I especially thought opportunities lied somewhere else and, you know, other people are lucky and, you know, I wish I could be like them, but I wasn't, I never made the most of what I had right in front of me. And when I re- really learned that, it's like, wow, the people that you need are actually right around you. Um, someone who can connect you with um, a, a, an opportunity at a, a certain job, like they, they're around you. And it's just a matter of asking and being aware of your surroundings. And, and that's for me was, a, a huge wake-up call where it's like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna make it the most of the the situation I am now. It might not be the best situation, but through um, putting all I at, like have in, into what I had, then I was able to build um, my skill sets and get better each year. Then from there, it led me to different opportunities to connect with different people, and you know, people connecting me to other people. So that was like really great. So I was like being aware of the people around me as well as the opportunities I had. That, mm-hmm. And the skill sets I had, it, it really made me um, a lot more conscious and grateful for 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 what I what I was blessed with. Right. No, I, that's that's amazing. That's such a good point because you know I've come to a similar conclusion like you have about being aware of your surroundings. And to your point, I think most of us have what we need. It's just that we lack the vision to see it. You know, Ooh. sometimes Ooh. we we're blinded by our own desires and we can't see what's really in front of us for a variety of reasons. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, again, to your point, it's like, you know, whether it be from a career standpoint or what have you, we have the tools, we're just not utilizing them. you know, and one thing I, one change that I've made recently from Mm -hmm. a career perspective, uh, from a career aspect that I've made is I've made the conscious concerted effort only to, continuously mm. and consistently reach out to people that I used to work with. Right. Wow. Not, not just when I need something, wow. but, but, but just because to keep the relationship warm, 
because yeah. you never know things always change you know especially in our in our, our line of business you know exactly. companies are always merging market yeah. shift stuff always yeah. happens right and you don't want to be the person that only reaches out when you when you need something exactly. you also exactly. want to be the person to be like hey what do you need how can i help you so i've made wow. a conscious effort to you know be aware of my surroundings by and the way i've done that is keeping those relationships warm and wow. part of the reason I'm in the role that I'm in right now is based off a of relationship. So to your point, again, all mm. the tools you need, you, you have yeah. them, right? You just not, you not, yeah. you don't see it as a tool. That's, that's what yeah. the block is, the challenge. You, yeah. You know wow. Wow. That is, that's, I love that. That's so great, man. Yeah, man. Many lessons I've learned from my own failures, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, real quick, we're going to do rapid fire questions, Ole. So this is where I ask you three questions. You guys basically got to answer the first thing that comes to your mind. Um, So first question I'm going to ask you is, what's one thing you were afraid of that you got over? Oh, the fear of rejection. I I used to crave people's validation and I I didn't want to make them, uh, I didn't want to make them, I wanted to make people proud. And every time I just I wasn't able to do that, I just had, yeah, it defeated me, defeated my my spirit. And how I overcame that, I just realized that, you know, um, I'm enough. And um, I don't need people's mm. validation to to uh, make me believe in myself. You know, I had, I had to build that self-confidence. And it took a long time, but yeah, I was fortunate. Yeah. I'm, still in that, I'm still on that journey, but yeah, it's, it's going well so far. Hey, the journey never ends. And I love that I'm enough. I actually use that as a as a mantra from time to time. So I love wow. it. I love it. Yeah. Uh, next question. What's your superpower? Oh, my superpower. Um, that's such, such a great question. Um, I realized that uh, I have a bit of a, my brain is a bit like, uh, it doesn't switch off. It can be a very bad thing, but um, it can mm. also be a very good thing where I've, I find that I'm always, I need to think on something. So I've, I find that it helps me. I stay on a bit later uh, on projects. And it's not based off of like me being better or anything. It's just like, I just need more time to figure things out as well. So I, I spend a lot more time on, on uh, projects itself. And I guess that's where my, I'm able to put in a lot more practice and my reps in. Mm-hmm. So that, that is a bit of like a, <laughs> a figure out later. It's like, oh, wow. I just spend a lot of time just trying to figure things out. And right. Yeah. Uh, I could really, I'm the same way too. Like for me, when I craft up an email, let's say pitch to a client. Yeah. I spend like sometimes I can spend like a good 30 minutes with that. Exactly. Email. Exactly. Right. You know? And sometimes I'll, I'll write it. I'll leave it yeah. and come back to it a couple of hours later, because yeah. for me, only every word matters. Right. And it has, yes. there's a, there's a purpose to the way I'm exactly. phrasing that. Cause I'm trying to either extract something. I'm trying exactly. to hit like a, you know, I'm trying to trigger something. Yeah. And so for me, like an email just is in the email for, for certain ones. And yeah. so I can spend a lot of time with an email, but it, it usually yeah. turns out to be a good thing when I do. So that's amazing. Oh, I love that. That's, that's great. That is great. Uh, a third final one for the rapid questions is if you could go back in time, um, what is one thing you would tell your younger self? Oh, I'd tell my young, younger self to be humble. Um, I feel like just the, that going back to the entitlement that that really closed a lot of opportunities for me. Um, that are that are really close by, um, and it re- relates to a lot of um, relationships being uh, ruined just based off of my entitlement. Like even my previous boss was literally called me up in the office and told me like, "Hey, man, you, 
you, you are so arrogant. I was like, what? Me mm-hmm. arrogant? I was like, do people know me as like just uh like just easygoing, but that that's that um just oh man, that ability to just be so proud and in a bad way, it really mm-hmm. hindered me from um just seeing opportunities in front of me. And yeah, from that, man, I tell my younger self, just be humble, be mm-hmm. humble, you know. It's yeah, so important. It's also a good Kendrick Lamar song. Be humble. Yeah, exactly uh-huh. right. Like oh, K Dot. Oh my man. Yeah. yeah, love it, love it. Well, Ole, if uh for all the listeners out there and, and the people that would watch um certain clips on YouTube, um if they want to reach out to you, possibly work with you on projects or just yeah. connect with you, what's the yeah. what's the best way for them to 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 uh, connect with you? Oh, that's a good question. Um. I'm open on uh, Instagram. I spend a lot of time there. Um, so my, my handle is O-L-E-T-S-H-E-T-L-O. They can find me there. They can also find me on LinkedIn too um, with Ole Tetro uh, and also YouTube. I have like, I'm trying to start a channel. Just trying, mm-hmm. to, trying to get my thoughts as well. So if, if you want to check that out, there's also um, mm-hmm. Ole Tetro, which is O-L-E-T-S-H-E-T-L-O. Um, and yeah, those are the main three platforms that, that, I'm, that I'm on. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, Ole, um, looking forward to connecting uh, with you offline as well. Yeah. Uh, welcome to the city of Toronto. We're going to get you, you acclimated. You. Don't worry. Get you some more, <laughs> get you around some more, more folks that look like us. Don't worry. We'll oh, make it, man. Oh, man. We'll make it happen. Um, yeah. So, guys, um, as you know, as I like to always end each episode, if you want to just impress people, you know, talk about, you know, your success, your wins, show them the, you know, awards that you've won. But if you really want to have an impact on somebody's life, talk about your failures, more specifically, what you learned from those experiences. That's how you really move the needle in someone else's life. So with that being said, guys, uh, Ole and I are out. Peace and love until the next time. Look what, look what, look what, look what.